0: Welcome to PainCast. Is there a pill for that? This is a podcast for people who suffer with chronic pain. Each week, we discuss a number of pain topics and teach people how to get rid of their pain without the use of medication, surgery, or shots. Now, here's your host, Jeff Batchy and Dr. Reed from Reed Physical Therapy in Fort Worth, Texas.
1: All right. Thank you for uh, joining me for the next podcast here. We're, uh, we're talking today to, uh, Dr. Thorburn. He is uh, with a very, very uh, successful practice in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, Hewland Dental, um, and they've got just such a good reputation. I definitely wanted to touch base with him, and and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, his practice. Uh, talk about um, s- some of the things that he does with TMJ and and uh, some of the other stuff that he does on his own personal dental practice and then we're just going to talk maybe a little bit about some patients and uh, um, and just kind of go from there so um, Hewlin Dental um, is uh, located kind of over there by the Hewlin Mall and uh, how long has the practice overall been uh, been around so far?
0: So the guy that I took over for started it um, probably about 43 or 44 years ago and moved into that location in the early 80s. And then he brought on uh, a guy in the late 90s who eventually became his partner, who is still with the practice and is now my partner because I took over for the original uh, founder. So there's two of us and we recently hired a, uh, an associate as well as Dr. T Arena and then my partner, Dr. Chang, and myself. So... A long time, a lot of, as we say, corporate knowledge in a practice like that, when you've had multiple people with long careers and passing it on. And, um, so you know, really been cool experience to be a part of.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I've um, just, the, the practice has been there so long and a and, uh, long tradition of, of really good work there. And, and I think, uh, um, so tell me a little bit about your, as far as, um, what what are some of the things that you guys may do different than other dental, uh, practices as far as from a clinical standpoint. Um, and tell me a little bit about your partners and maybe um, some of the, the things that you specialize in. Just give me a little more information about like if I was looking to, to, to come to your dental practice, what kind of things would, uh, make you guys unique?
0: Yeah, I think um, one of the things we really strive to do is incorporate technology and, and really at the highest level possible. So we, we have a lot of equipment that it's hard for a single practitioner to, to own because it's split between multiple of us and it gets used a lot more when there's multiple of us. So, you know, um, in-house crowns, we have what's called a CBCT, which is a dental version of a CAT scan, uh, lets us see a 3D version of people's faces. We can see into your sinus from any angle. Gives us, like when you hear a radiologist talk about, oh, this cut, that cut, and they're looking at an X-ray or a CT scan rather, Um, you know, we have our version of that, which is really beneficial because one, um, it allows us to catch things that otherwise we might not catch with regular x-rays. And it also allows us to get a lot of information. So when I'm showing that to patients that I'm saying like, not only do we think it's this tooth that needs a root canal, I can then flip this vertically to where I'm looking down the tooth and I can see exactly how many canals there are and I can measure to the fraction of a millimeter how long they are. So before I even get started, on any type of specialty work like an implant, or extracting wisdom teeth, or doing a root canal, um, I know what I'm getting into, and it also makes it a lot easier for us to know when we really need to refer out to a specialist, rather than handle it ourselves, um, which I think patients appreciate that we quarterback things, rather than just, you know, saying yeah I don't really do this because I had a bad experience a couple times, and I think it's better we send you out. Um, with that said, of course, there's times that we get in there and it's not exactly what we think, and we still do have to send them out. But I try to do my best to to explain all possible complications and minimize surprises and things like that before we ever start doing work. And I think that's part of what has allowed us to to really grow uh, into a now three doctor practice.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that, I love I love the, hearing that. Just the. Um, th- Knowing that it, the patient's best interest is, is really what you guys are after. I mean, referring to who you think is the best person for the job, if it isn't you. And I think that's really cool that you guys are using some of the highest grade technology to actually go in there, um, see what's going on. So it's a very good first start. I mean, if you're not sure what's going on, this would, this would definitely be a place that I would feel comfortable because I know they have the diagnostic means to, to take care of me and, and send me if I need to go to someone uh, different than them. Now, tell me uh, just a couple, a little bit about, um, you've got a couple other uh, people that work with you, and, and tell me, and yourself, obviously, um, being one of the dentists there as well, tell me about what you guys do as far as, uh, do you specialize in anything in particular, or um, have a passion for anything in particular?
0: Yeah, that's, you know, we're not specialists, and I think that's one thing that the term is important patients understand. We're general dentists, all three of us, but like you, you said, we have our passions, and we have our things we really like to do. And we all do a little bit of everything to try to help our patients, because like I said, that corporate knowledge flows from one to the other. If I have a question on something that, that Dr. Chang is really experienced in or really passionate about, I will ask him and it's easy because I can just you know, kind of walk over and see where he is if I really need to ask that question or I can ask him when we have some free time. Uh, Dr. Arena, I think is really coming along very fast even though he's newer. And I think it also helped me you know, get up to speed much, much faster than I saw a lot of my friends coming out of dental school with, because I could rely on Dr. Stoball and Dr. Chang to give me a lot of just great advice. And, and like I said, that corporate knowledge. So for me, surgery is, is kind of one of my favorite things. I love doing implants, bone grafting, uh, wisdom teeth extractions in particular. Um, I do a lot of cosmetics. Dr. Chang does a ton of cosmetics. Um, But we also do a lot of just the singles. You know, we joke, don't swing for the fences. Don't don't always give these huge treatment plans when it's complicated things. Treat the person, not the tooth, or not the condition. You know, treat them first, then figure out the condition with the patient. So between, you know, the amount of Invisalign we do for someone that has jaw issues, that's something we have in our corner. And I can speak from personal experience when I was just getting these debilitating headaches and I tried you know, Botox injections, and I tried different guards and all kinds of stuff, and getting braces helped me the most because it got my teeth hitting properly, and it minimized uh, kind of the stress I was putting on my muscles while I was clenching at night and stuff like that. But then we also have other things that that we get into from, you know, medicines that we'll prescribe to different guards uh, that are, you know, more trauma-based versus more long-term-based. Um, I have kind of a trick that, that we've spoken about quite a bit that I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, um, about kind of breathing passages and what I'm starting to believe is really causing a lot of grinding and TMJ issues and stuff like that. But for us, you know, I think, I think we all do a little bit of everything and we all do it well, but it's natural that you're going to have things that you are more passionate about and that you really like doing. And, um, you know, we, we often joke with a a partial denture that, that, you know, sometimes there's needs for them and that's what people can get or that's what, you know, works best for them. They really don't want to go to a real denture and we're trying to save teeth and do that thing. But we'll joke, you know, when you do veneers on somebody, which is an elective procedure, um, you can really make a pretty immediate difference in someone's life because something they've been self-conscious about they'll come in for one appointment, you'll do some work on them, put them in temporaries and then they'll come back a couple weeks later to get the final result and we'll see them in tears and crying and hugging us. And we always say, you know, when someone says I want a partial, we'll say, okay, that's fine. We'll do it for you. But you know, we've had people hug and say thank you and do that kind of stuff for, for implants and for really for cosmetic stuff. I've never had someone hug me and say thank you for a partial. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, And so it's, it's the experience of discussing that as a group, lets us kind of figure out ways to to give all those options to patients that you know works out well yeah
1: two things that hit home when you're when you're talking I think <clears throat> very valuable when I when I go to a dentist uh, you know I want to make sure that I'm getting a plan of care that's that I don't feel was maybe influenced by uh, corporate America and that I don't know that um, I, 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 I've been to a few different dentists and I felt that way and I felt um, it was just felt so. Uh, uh, planned out when they told me what I need to have done. If they had a chart for it you know, oh, and it just felt like if I have this, they're going to give me all this extra stuff. But, um, what I like about you guys is that, and, and I've heard that from patients as well, that I've interacted with that you guys have seen that, you know, I don't feel pressured to, to get things unnecessarily done. You give them exactly what they need and give them the realistic, uh, answer for what what's what's going on and the other thing is in a corporate america i mean sometimes um i feel like everybody's kind of proving their own way there's a lot of competition whereas you you guys sound like you kind of work as a team to get together for whatever patient you individualize that plan of care so I, i think that's real neat and, and, and I feel that that's very important. So we'll talk, let's talk a little bit about TMJ. So our, or the TMJ joint, temporomandibular joint. Uh, we've actually talked about this before, you know, TMJ pain or TMJ dysfunction. There's, you know, you got those two different, different definitions, but basically the jaw gives you pain and, and uh, you're not sure what to do with it. So you may see a, a dentist um, here at Reed Physical Therapy, we do, we do um, head, neck, and face are our specialty, so we see a ton of TMJ. So I wanted to get with Dr. Thorburn and actually um, talk about a little bit about why these two professions work so well together. Um, the original uh, guy that kind of pioneered TMJ research and education for physical therapists is uh, Dr. Uh, Roccobato, Uh, brilliant guy. He's got more research than, than I can read. I mean, the guy's got so much going on Um, probably within five years of his career. Once he's figuring out this problem and figuring out this, this joint and um, he was already advocates of dentists working with physical therapists, how, how important the alignment of the teeth and the muscles, um, how that how they go, how they go together and how important they are. They, it's uh, it's a, a very important relationship and yet uh, honestly there are very few people that do tmj uh, for on a physical therapy standpoint and actually i think even in um in dental i know it's it's a little more limited um are there a lot of people that uh, you would you would say do tmj or would or treat tmj in and gentle dentistry versus um uh, other places I know that there are a few TMJ sometimes specialists in dental but how about like from a primary care standpoint primary dentistry do you see a lot of people that do TMJ I'm not I've just always wondered that
0: so I if you have a practice that sees enough people at some point you're going to have to learn to manage it and you're going to have patients that that have tried going other places and they've, they've tried this and that and they're just not getting results and so eventually you start educating yourself a little bit more on it because we get some basic knowledge in dental school, but not a lot unless you seek it out yourself. And um, and one thing I think is really important for people to understand is there is no such thing as a TMJ or TMD specialist in dentistry. There There is no formal schooling for that. There is no title that goes with that, like an oral surgeon or an endodontist or anything. Those people are just people who chose to brand themselves that way. And maybe it's because um, they're passionate about the work like you said or they've done some extra courses but you know as far as it goes it in my opinion it really comes down to just if that dentist is comfortable treating what I consider the most complicated issue in all of dentistry and and the way I explain it to my patients is that you know if you look at your hip which is a bone that moves in a very similar fashion to the way one of your team or your joints do up in your jaw they they're taking a pounding it's hard still talking about the hip you know it's a very complicated issue that ultimately for a lot of people results in having to have surgery some way but what makes it a lot more complicated for dentistry is that that joint is connected to another joint that's identical on the other side just mirrored so to me it's the equivalent of saying like hey we have to run and walk and jump and play sports and do that stuff with our hips but we have a bone connecting our knees together it's the same way i think of the jaw and so it really complicates it, because if one gets a little bit out of whack, it messes up the other side, too. It has to compensate, and eventually that one reaches a tipping point, maybe even treating the right side, the left side now, starts new problems, it gets out of place. And so there's so many directions it can go, that as a, as a dentist, all I can do is kind of develop what I know and what I'm comfortable with, and, and again, we have quite a few different things we do within, um, you know, especially since meeting you, I've, I've referred quite a bit with really good results because we were reaching a point where I was like, you know, I'm not sure if what we're doing is really long-term fixing stuff. It might be treating symptoms, but not fixing problems. And, um, you know, I'd hear stories about people sometimes going to so-called TMJ specialists, and, you know, not only did the prices seem kinda high to me, but they'd also come back, and I'd look at what they were doing and treating them with, and I was like, I wouldn't agree with it because I saw their referral slips. And, you know, that, not to go on too big of a tangent here, but I strongly feel that unless you're taking an MRI of the joint, you can't accurately, truly diagnose that joint because you can't see soft tissue unless you take an MRI. If you take an x-ray or you take a CT like we have in our office, the CBCT, I can see the bone and I can do some guesswork and I can manipulate your jaw and move it around and have you open and close, but I can't truly tell what's going on with the muscles and the ligaments and the disc and all that kind of stuff in there. And so, you know, through time, you get enough experience where I can tell if someone, you know, comes in saying, oh, I have popping and it drives my wife crazy, which I actually had this week. And we did some tests and tried some stuff. And I said, no, I think, I think it's just kind of like knees popping when you sit down. It's the synovial fluid and that, and that disc kind of popping from pressure, no pain, right? None of that. But there's also the side of if someone comes in with true trauma that just recently occurred, how do you treat that versus these kind of chronic things? And and usually the, the trauma-based ones are a little bit easier to treat compared to chronic. And, and you and I have spoken about this so many times. Chronic is actually due to medication, in my opinion, right? And uh, we can get into that in a minute, I guess, if you want. But... It's it's super complicated, I guess is ultimately what I'm trying to get across compared to doing a crown or doing a root canal. I can take an X-ray and say, hey, you have an infection at the bottom of that tooth. Oh yeah, it hurts. Okay, you need a root canal. A day later, it feels much better, right? Versus the joint, not so much.
1: Yeah. So when I what that that's a really good point. You know, with um, what you're saying is the the specialty being just you you will eventually come into it. And they went to the dentist. Sometimes, I mean, I know I've got a lot of patients who have told me the I think it's my teeth so I went to a to a dentist or I think it's my TMJ and it doesn't look like TMJ um, because no it's actually the teeth that are giving him trouble and so it was really interesting how with what you're saying as far as you can't see any of the soft tissue you can't see any of the muscles um, whereas the bone is a different situation so with these two professions working together, I think it's a huge advantage because uh, you guys can actually do an MRI, see the joint, look at the bone part of it. But if you're just if you're just relying just on that, it's 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 in my opinion very dangerous because you have soft tissue, ligaments, tendons. Um, you've got other things going on. You've got um, and you may have you know also neck issues that can cause some of that. Miss with TMJ, it's very important to understand it's. It's called the temporomandibular joint, meaning the temp- temporal part is the head itself as well as the mandibular, which means the jaw part of it. So if uh, that's where I think our professions work so well together because if the head is off, then it's going to affect the jaw because the the temporal part is like the socket and the, the, uh, the actual mandible or the jaw part is kind of like the hip bone itself. So if, if both of those aren't aligned properly there it's going to make a huge difference. So and then and then when we talk about muscles and soft tissues and stuff like that, I mean, you've got uh, masseters and other you masseters and other muscles uh, that are uh, extremely powerful and they can actually make a huge influence on um, the jaw and, and what happens with the bone. So it, just to say, you know, I'm just going to look at the bones uh, that to me that's craziness. The muscles influence the bones, and the bones influence the muscles. So the partnership is huge. I think, I mean, the the master itself has five hundred pounds per square inch of power. Uh, we've we'll talk maybe a little bit in a minute here about a patient that uh, that got sent over to me. He's uh, his he's clinching so hard at night that it it's cracked some of his teeth. I mean, think about the pounds per square inch, five hundred pounds per square inch going onto these teeth. It, it's caused some issues, and so now that what's what's important is um, the pain that he may be getting from those cracked teeth. You have to have that handled up on in one way or another before you could really truly get those muscles to to act right. So again, that's a it's a I think it's a it's a back and forth. Uh, they they work together they work together well, and actually actually what I really like about we actually um, this we we're in actually in the same building and we can go downstairs, or I can talk to uh, Dr. Thorburn. He, he makes, as busy as they are, they make themselves very available anytime you need to uh, discuss patient care. So, when, just because he sends you somewhere doesn't mean that he's going to end up um, not uh, following up on it. So, I've, I've liked that, and, I've, and I've, uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, I see his patients do really well with, with some of the care that he's given, because he really does care about it. And we talk about patients all the time uh, that he's sent over. Uh, and I think that's pretty neat. So tell me about, um, your as far as the TMJ, TMJ joint affecting teeth, how do, what kind of things have you seen or what, what kind of issues with teeth do you feel affect the jaw joint?
0: Yeah, so we, um, there are a couple things in dentistry that I think have probably changed starting from before I began practicing, but in the past 30 years maybe. Uh, particularly when white tooth-colored fillings came out, which were much softer than the natural tooth, and much softer than the old metal fillings, the amalgams as we call them. Um, so, as far as the teeth goes, one of the primary reasons you'll see issues with the joint comes from the teeth having severe wear. So, your teeth, let's say, let, let's say on average, just to make it simple, each tooth, top and bottom, that hit on each other, are ten millimeters long, right? So, twenty millimeters total. Uh, the actual number falls somewhere around seventeen and nineteen, but let's just say twenty. So. Over time, we'll have patients that come in that are worn down to 16 or 14 or 10 millimeters. They've worn their teeth down so much that they're at 50% of what they originally were. And what ends up happening is those muscles become either shortened or elongated, depending on which of the muscles of mastication we're talking about, like you said, the temporalis or the masseter, what have you. There's a few more involved that are are really back there that you can't see. Um, And we have to kind of look at, is there anything to fix it And there is, but it's very expensive. And the term you might hear dentists use is called full mouth rehab. So while guards and whatnot are helpful, people don't wear night guards 24 seven and they don't wear uh, orthotic devices, as you might say in the medical field, 24 seven. And because of that, you gotta figure out something that works for them. So unfortunately, full mouth rehab, which is getting those teeth back to the proper size or length or height is the term we use actually height. Um, is is a big long process that requires a lot of planning and unfortunately a lot of cost to the patient because at that point you're discussing doing pretty much every tooth in their mouth with a crown Um, other options of course people see things like you know dentures in a day or all on fours on TV and uh, we, we can talk about that, but that's even more expensive, too, and I never recommend people having all their teeth removed if they don't have to. Now, that's, that's kind of one of the long-term ones, and going back to what I was saying with the fillings, we're seeing that people who had those white tooth-colored fillings as children, which are needed, they're just not holding up as well, and we're seeing wear in people's like 20s and into their 30s, uh, myself included, before I got braces about when I was 30. Um, we were just seeing extreme fast wear that you typically didn't see until later in life in people, and so what I've become Really accustomed to with patients is when I see this early I start taking photos and showing them the wear and tear before it gets to that that tipping point where it's hey I can no longer talk to you about something simple like wearing a night guard every night or, or Finding ways to manage your clenching instead We have to start talking about redoing every tooth in your mouth um, which I think is an unfortunate thing to go through and And it's hard it's hard for patients you know and it's hard on the dentist too that those are very long days and very very long procedures
1: yeah I I I totally agree with what you're saying Um, so so what I really when I hear that I that makes a huge difference as far as um, early detection versus waiting and wait until it's done the damage that um, so taking care of that that problem early could definitely. I mean, the, the I I mean, in some of the training we've done for just from a physical ther- therapy, physical therapy standpoint is that when we start, uh, we we've been trained to see wear and tear. Now we're definitely not the dental professionals, but we start to see it. We know. Let's let's go send them to someone like uh, Dr. Thorburn here at Hewland Dental. We want to make sure that um, we get that looked at and make sure that everything's good to go. Now if you wait very very late in life and you've let you've let something go go wrong and, and take lots of time, um, you have more more of an expensive problem. And that's why I think our, our professions worked well together is because that they are um it's 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 paramount that you take care of something that comes up. Um, I always think about it like a car. If you uh, if you needed an oil change but you decide to wait, you know, a year before you once the oil change is supposed to be done but you waited uh, a year to do it then don't be surprised when you know the engine uh, eventually uh, gives out on you and I can, man, I can give you study after study in physical therapy and I'm, I'm sure it's no different dentistry is that if, if uh, most of the research shows the faster you take care of something the cheaper it's going to cost you and we're just not uh, sometimes I don't feel like a lot of patients follow that um, sometimes maybe it's uh, part of that, you know, I'll wait till I can't do something before I get something taken care of, um, but it, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a a very costly uh, uh, price. Maybe it takes more time. Um, me, I actually I I preach this, and I'm I'm a huge believer in take care of something. It won't take you very long. Look at it now. Um, I, but myself, I've actually been victim of that. I've uh, had huge. Uh, I had issues with my neck head, neck, and face pain, and had to quit a very, um, a very good job because I just pushed it off to the point where I let my, my jaw pain and my headaches, uh, I was in my room in the dark for probably three or four days a week because the pain got so excruciating. So I basically put off something that I already knew there was something going on. Um, I heard clicking, and I heard this, or I noticed pain here, um, and yet here I was just pushing through. I think maybe it was more my personality, you know, just hey, I can, I'm, I'm tough. I mean, I can get this. I'm, I'm good. But at the end of the day, it just cost me uh, a lot more time and money. I had to give up a job I really wanted at the time. Um, but you know what? It put me on this new path of passion for uh, TMJ and head, neck and face stuff. And, and also, uh, gives me, uh, I'm a, I'm a good example. I'm the guy that's, uh, don't do this or, or I'll, I'll tell you why you shouldn't do it because I might've done it wrong. So I think that's interesting with uh, the amount of stuff that, uh, you guys may have to do dental from a dental standpoint down the road. So tell me a little bit about, okay. So when we, when someone comes in with, um, uh, TMJ pain or TMD or temporomandibular dysfunction, what, what kind of things, um, would you do for that individuals to start off with? So let's, let's say it's early, early in the game. They did, they were that ideal patient and you just want to hug them. Cause you're like, man, that's the good, that's the <laughs> right patient, right? You know, I, you're going to do this, right? I wish everybody would do it your way. Um, now I've got to, do a lot more down the road, but you decided to get this done early. So what do you, would you start off early? Uh, they're just, they find themselves just getting pain and clenching. Yeah. What would you start off as an early, um, but there's a little maybe wear and tear or on the teeth a little bit, but what would you do for that patient?
0: Yeah. So the, the pathways I go through on figuring this kind of stuff out is, you know, I start with a couple questions. So I always say, you know, what's going on. Does it hurt at night? Is it hurting worse in the morning or in the afternoon? How have your stress levels been recently? Which I'll go into in a second. Um, and then I always check their medications. And there's a couple of medications that that really in-depth, big studies show. And I, and I think it's important for patients to understand that you can always find anecdotal stories. I mean, I could write a paper on two patients that I saw and put it out there, but it doesn't mean that it's it's a big enough patient base and study base that it makes sense. So. Usually, when I look at this stuff, I tell patients, you know, if it seems like something I'm more confident in, it's because we have these huge uh, systematic reviews and studies done of just tons and tons of anecdotal studies and things like that. Um, And then I have ones that I say, you know, the science isn't quite figured out yet. And sometimes I'll joke, like, you know, it seems kind of like black magic to me or whatever, but it seems to be working. So, you know, they'll give me the questions. If they're taking uh, antidepressants, chronically for years. If they're taking sleep medication to fall asleep at night, and if they're taking ADD medicine, which goes into a whole different facet of clenching with children, um, we're finding that those things seem to deaden the feedback mechanism that tells your body not to clench. And the, the base idea that I hear people use to explain it a lot is your sympathetic feedback mechanism, which essentially controls the fight or flight response in the human body, is that while you're asleep, if you're clenching, you know, someone who says it feels worse in the morning, right? Going back to the question I ask, if they're asleep and that's where they're clenching, I will check their, their muscles in their jaw and then up behind their ears and around their forehead, the temporalis, like we also mentioned earlier, and I'll feel for any knots in there, kind of like a physical therapist might as well, and see, okay, where am I feeling more of them? Is it from clenching more in the jaw? Does it wrap around by the ears? Typically, if I see it, you know, up behind their ears and I can feel knots up there, they're gonna be getting headaches. So my next question will be, when you get these headaches that are hurting in the jaw pain, is it feel like it's coming from your face back towards your neck, or does it feel like it's coming from your neck and shoulders up towards the top of your head? And I'll wave my hands in those two directions, and it's kind of a cue for me to see, is this someone that it seems like it's coming more from teeth issues and kind of that height of biting like we talked about earlier, or is it something in their neck that's causing them to clench a lot? And that's when I'll usually refer them out to someone like you. Um, so those are kind of my first things I check with. And then the other thing I always talk to them about is, is their breathing and how do they feel they're breathing at night and stuff like that. So I have a real simple, um, exhibit I'll do with them or exercise rather I'll do with them where I have them kind of clench their teeth together end on end so the air can come through and then I'll have them breathe through their nose. And I'll say, all right, that's your baseline. That's how you breathe through your nose while you're asleep typically. Then I'll have them pull air through their teeth as well. How does that feel? Okay, now open your mouth, but keep it kind of in a natural place, but tuck your chin in like you're sleeping, like a lot of people who sleep on their side do. And tell me how that air feels like it's flowing through. Now I want you to sit up straight and I want you to press your jaw as far forward as you can. Your bottom teeth are way in front of your front teeth. And I want you to breathe through your nose and your mouth. And depending on what I see happen with them, if they say on that last one, ooh, I do breathe a lot better through my nose when I do that, I know that the issue is more coming from the back of their throat. If they say no, it doesn't seem to make much of a difference through my nose, but it does through my mouth, again, back of the throat, but also there's some constriction going on in their nose, which is when I start thinking about um, recommending Breathe Right strips, which, you know, I don't, you know, that's the brand name. You can find all kinds of other versions, CVS and whatnot, but... I think it's a really important distinction between someone who has breathing issues in the back of their throat, which can be very complicated. And we have some things, but a CPAP is usually where they start, get a sleep study, get a CPAP. And then if they don't like that, we have some dental things we can do. Um, but if it's a nose issue and you just give them a night guard to stop the grinding, you're really treating the symptom and not the cause. And I thought it was super interesting when I learned about that from, from a guy that I met in Florida a couple of years ago. as a prosthodontist. And he said exactly what I just said. Okay, if, if it's a nose issue and they're not getting breath through the nose, and that's what's triggering that fight or flight mechanism, which making them clench a lot at night because their body's ready to go, um, you got to get them breathing through the nose. And and a sleep device isn't going to do that. You know what I mean? So he recommended one using something that opens up the nasal passage. So for some people, it's like a flow nas. He had one that was a, a xylitol based one that you can find like on Amazon. It's X Y. Um, X-Y-L-O-T, right? So search for that and you can spray it and it's a little bit easier on your tissue than something like Afrin. Um, and then the nasal strips, which open it up. And it was funny because I had worn a night guard, you know, forever since I had my braces. And then I started wearing the, the night strips and all of a sudden my clenching just minimized. And it was clear that, you know, type A personality, high stress, high stress job, I don't take any medications, you know, regularly or anything. I might take a, like an Aleve or something. But if I don't wear those nasal strips now, I can really feel that clenching. And all that stuff I did before with the Botox, and the braces definitely helped, but, you know, the Botox injection so my muscles couldn't clench as hard, Uh, different pain medications that, you know, physicians were giving me, those those little cheap nasal strips have made a much, much bigger difference. And I think it's a really cool idea to think about that you're treating the cause even if i think the science behind it is a little bit of black magic because we just don't have enough research yet to say for sure that's what it is but as far as it looks right now it seems like it's the sympathetic feedback mechanism and there's some there's some barometer in your nose that says hey we're getting enough air through here, relax, versus you're not getting enough air, you need to be ready to, to rock and roll like it's fight or flight. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, that everything you're saying kinda, I mean, you went to dental school, I went to physical therapy school, but what you're saying makes a huge, huge uh, connection with what what I've learned as well. I mean, um, the first thing I, I notice is that I, I really like the, I mean, he's just giving you an example of, hey, I've, um, if I think uh, you need teeth repair, that's that's one thing. But he's going to try some of the more simple things. So that's one of the things I feel like you're, you're getting really good care there. So sometimes it's not just building up a, a plan of care that may be overly done and overly treated. So he's telling you about the first thing he's going to try is maybe a nasal passage uh, strip or like a breathe right. So that's a huge difference. And also, like you're saying, we're finding uh, the the correlation between oxygen and the sympathetic system. So obviously the, the lack of oxygen makes a huge difference in your body. It changes the whole chemistry. Um, and from a muscular standpoint, uh, uh, we're huge on when people are, um, Usually people that have TMJ issues almost always have breathing issues, and it could be coming from the passageway. Sometimes we look into like the mid-back because the rib cage is not expanding right, so we have to look and make sure that all the ribs are moving, um, and uh, a lot of the muscles on the front of the neck, uh, like the sternocleidomastoid, but long story short, it's just the... F- the muscles that when you get angry it looks like a V shape. Those things are super activated because they're accessory muscles. Meaning they when you're trying to breathe, if if your whole neck looks like it's um, struggling to breathe because you're using these extra muscles. Those are muscles that are causing you um, to breathe harder and and so um, and it's just tightening up another muscle that's around the 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 uh, TMJ and jaw issue. And then they've done a ton of research on showing you that if your muscles are not getting enough oxygen, uh, they are going to go there. It's a hypoxic environment, meaning that, that it's, it's kind of like if uh, I know this sounds like a bad analogy, but uh, how would your body react if I closed your mouth and your nose and I held it? Would you be very calm? Probably not. You'd probably fight me and kick me and say, get off me. And, and uh, because what I've done is I've, I've taken out, out your oxygen supply, uh, and, and you need that oxygen supply and muscles. Are are uh, take up um, a huge portion of your oxygen supply and need it. So what they're going to do is become reactive. They work with the, with the nerves clenched down, and and um, most of your blood supply that you utilize on a daily basis that comes out of your heart actually goes to one of your muscular systems. Uh, your heart, your your heart itself is a giant muscle. So the idea is that. Uh, breathing is part of that system. You know, if if you're not breathing right, then you're not getting the correct oxygen into your blood flow, which then affects your muscles. Can then can affect that sympathetic system that he's talking about. And sympathetic is is, is a fancy term for that. He said fight or flight, where your nerves are are clenched and aggravated. Um, it's it's your neurological system that's responding to not having an enough. Oxygen, for instance. There's other things that can cause that stress, as he talked about. People who are stressed, type A. Um, so there are other reasons that you can be in a sympathetic uh, uh, system there. So it's uh, it's very important that understanding some of the some of the causes of breathing is very uh, a very important start. So let's let's talk about so after you've kind of assessed their breathing, you've looked at it. You're looking at if it's muscles, and now you've looked at if it's you think it's more teeth jaw related versus neck. Um now we've we've kind of done that and so uh sometimes you know you'll try um as far as uh medication um typically where if somebody's kind of new at it and they've started to clenching is there anything that you
0: recommend for do you do medication for those individuals very often So medication is generally more for trauma based stuff so someone says I was in a car wreck or I fell or I accidentally got kicked in the face by my kid or something which i happened this week right oh yeah <laughs> um, that doesn't sound good so generally you know we go through some of those tests i was talking about i feel their jaw muscles i have them open and closed i see how far they can open um, real quick simple test is if you if you kind of make a fist can you fit two or three knuckles in your mouth when you open the average person should be able to fit three of their own knuckles and that's that's Opening normally. If it's less than that, you got to start thinking about some type of trauma and inflammation issues. So, and now before you finish that, I I think that's that's unique. That's cute. That's cool because
1: that's what something that we learned that if you can't open up far enough, um, you should have thirty. And we we do more the joint, um, uh, thirty five to forty five millimeters is of normal opening, and it's huge if. You should you, he's given you tricks that you can test at home that so you can be, it's body awareness, so that you know when an is coming up and you can get it looked at prior to. I'll give you an example. You should have about 30 to 35 millimeters of opening um, at a minimum. So, you know, God willing, if you ever passed out or had an, an injury or, or um, you needed emergency care, um, if you don't have 30 to 35 millimeters of opening, when they try to intubate you uh, with the emergency system, they've either got to break your jaw or do a trach on you. And nobody, I mean, trust me, those are, those are, um, I know the the jaw people don't realize, oh, I can't open as far, but it could be a huge difference. I mean, you're going to get that emergency care and you're probably going to be just fine for most cases. I mean, this day and age, you know, emergency you know they're there in three minutes so i mean you're you're gonna be fine but now you've got a broken jaw imagine you passed out from something you know maybe you took a med that wasn't right or some you know you had a little issue or whatever but now you got a broken jar and now and now they have a trach and a scar on your throat um so it's it's huge that i think the what he's doing is kind of giving people practical options to look at and 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 I think instead of just push through like we, like many of us have done. So sorry, going back yeah, to no, your medication, good. and I just think that was real unique what that, you were talking about there.
0: That example is a little beyond what I would be handling though. If someone's kind of in a life or death type thing, uh, of course, someone, but I know. But but you someone, gave them the trick to know yeah. when it
1: when it gets between thirty and thirty five millimeters. It's, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that's for the emergency care, but but they'd appreciate not having their job broken after Absolutely. something like that. Yeah. So I think. Just knowing your jaw range of motion makes a difference, and I know that's that's a scary analogy, and I, I yeah. but I get and I that's probably not what we'll see ever. Cause that's no. what's nice about us, but um, but you're giving them something that that that's part of that preventative yeah. lifestyle where you're preventing before it gets bad enough, and I think that's important. So keep going. Well, Sorry about your medications no, no, no. there.
0: So a real basic one, you know, if I think it's kind of trauma related and short term, and we just got to rehab it a little bit, um, kind of like doing physical therapy for. Uh, Going to see the trainer in high school when you had an an accident playing a sport and they have you do some of that i do some of that stuff on a basic level so it's medication wise if there's nothing that that is contraindicated because they're taking another medication that could cause a big problem with this um, i'll usually give them first off something to help with inflammation which is a real low dose steroid medrol dose pack is the most common one we give it's it's like taking a z-pack we use it a lot in dentistry for inflammation because it's in the teeth, you know. So hard. before
1: you go further, though, when you say contraindicated, obviously that's a very common medical term. You're saying if one med does not interact with the other, is that what you mean by yeah, when you say that?
0: Yeah. So for instance, I mean, this is a this is a really kind of out there one, but one of the most well-known ones in the medical field is if someone's taking birth control and you give them an antibiotic, that birth control is not going to work for a while. And so you got to tip them off, hey – if you're relying on that, you may want to change some habits, (laughs) right? While you're taking these antibiotics because it supersedes your need for that other medication. So that's just a simple one, but there's much more serious ones with opiates, people taking pain medication, antidepressants, of course, anything that has a sedative effect you want to be careful with. Uh, Medrol, a little less so, but if they're already taking systemic steroids for, you know, a different genetic condition or something, it's not really a good idea for me to give them another steroid. So we got to treat it slightly differently. So, but if everything's kind of normal for the most part, it's just trauma. We'll start with a medrol, right? So it helps with inflammation very quickly and very acutely, uh, just like taking a pack, right? And what category would you put that med in? steroid or uh, yeah what, what yeah, category steroid, steroid for sure so very, steroid based very yeah. low dose steroid and it's not like anabolic like sometimes people are like whoa 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 and I'm like no you're fine yeah it's gonna load you up on day one the instructions are very clear in the pack so you're being kind
1: of conservative with your steroid usage good so I mean yeah. I feel like that's nice I wouldn't I mean if I hear that I want to make sure that I'm I'm in a safe zone with what, you, what you're giving right. me. So you start off with a, a gentle steroid, it sounds like.
0: Absolutely. And then two, um, I will give them a prescription for kind of a, a stronger NSAID, which is a, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, so we're not doubling up. So the common ones people know, of course, are like Tylenol or Advil, which is ibuprofen or acetaminophen. Um, I'll give them something a little stronger. I really like one called Diclofenac that is primarily used medically for arthritis, but we found it works really, really well with clenching TMJ type issues and and headaches that are muscle-borne, right, Um, from those muscles of mastication. So diclofenac I found works really well, but we have some things we have to be careful with that one too. So I always tell patients, when you're doing this kind of stuff, don't drink. That's a big one, because there's different insets, you know, work on either the, the kidney or the liver, and you need to be careful with that kind of stuff. So that's one thing. We're working on getting something better, don't drink. As an ancillary benefit, one of the biggest causes, you know, from a day to day basis of clinching while you're asleep is drinking. So we notice again, it deadens that feedback loop that tells you don't clench at night. That sympathetic fight or flight thing, drinking sets it off. So yeah, so I mean that makes a big sense. Makes so, sense. So it also right? gets them to stop drinking, which might help with it too. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then the third one is I'll give them a muscle relaxant when they're at night, so the those muscles just aren't able to fire as hard if they are clenchers. So like the guy we were talking about that came and saw you last week, who had broken a couple teeth and never had dental problems until he's probably in his fifties now, I think. Um, and I mean the most severe teeth breaks, tooth breaks I've ever seen. He, he split right down the middle. Like it it looked like something made for a textbook to show us the inside of a tooth. It was incredible. (laughs) Um, and so that's kind of where I start. And then I may give him a different type of temporary guard to use. So we have one called an NTI, which makes you only hit on your front two teeth on the bottom, which are very, very sensitive to pressure compared to your back teeth. Or instead, um, if I, I think it's more trauma and a little less coming from just severe clenching, which is the NTI, I'll give them what we call a deprogrammer, which is a custom-made, almost like a football guard, but it's built a little differently to make you bite specifically on two of your back teeth and, and keep you from being able to clench quite as hard. So it protects a little more and creates the space and it opens that bite up, like I talked about, for people who might... Eventually need a full mouth rehab or something. Yeah,
1: so so basically de deprogramming what's happening in the jaw joint that then and at the teeth that can then influence your TMJ and, and give them a, uh, make a huge difference. It's a habit breaker. That's yeah, that's why a, the
0: term is deprogrammer. So yeah,
1: deprogrammer. I mean uh, habits are uh, what you've got to retrain your body. I mean just we talk about it all the time just um and with my patients my client base is that you know muscle memory is is the the fan is the is the generic term i use for it. but basically if you've been doing something for a long period of time your body's used to it it could be poor posture it could be clenching it could be the way you sleep you may move a lot in your sleep and uh, not even know it but your body's been doing it for so long so that's a good example of the it could cause um, if you're using the, the device that he's creating, can help deprogram, and, and again, looking to deprogram what your, your body usually does to hopefully find a, a long-term solution um, and, tra- and create new habits. Um, I think that's huge, and, and uh, when we look at JAWS as well, as we, we look from how are they sleeping, what position, we do pillow fitting, we talk about how are you driving, what positions are you in when you're sitting at the office, um, those are all opportunities. We talk about stress and breathing techniques. Again, we're we're looking at some things outside of what would like someone with Dr. Thorburn would look at, but but how to gently change the way you do things to now make a huge impact on your body. Because the more time that goes by, the more impact that it's gonna take. So if if you just continue on with you know some of the things you do it, uh, and and start to split teeth as we've talked about with this particular patient, now it's more of an expensive process. So it happens the same thing with joints. You know, you've got tight joints, it's gonna to start to, you can actually get to the point where you can wear down the disc and the jaw joint. And, and people, everybody's heard of total hip replacement or total knee replacement, they have the same thing for jaws as well. So it can lead to something really invasive and really tough. So you want to avoid that if all possible. So the idea is take care of it now and you won't have to, uh, um, have as many teeth and, and jaw issues as, as, as you would. So now let's say you got someone, you, we, we, we talked about this patient, you know, uh, type A personality. Actually, I won't, you know, obviously I won't go too much into the gentleman, but, um, Guy owns, he owns his, uh, a, a pretty large business, uh, electrician, this guy's all over the place, uh, just talking to him. There's, there's, there's a type A personality that goes with what he does, and, has set, and uh, so just over time he's had that, so um, a lot of pressure going into those teeth and um, so now when you get that individual what kind of things do you see uh, see happening for him usually what what would be a good solution for an individual like that from a dentistry standpoint
0: well i mean for him it's it's a habit thing and it's a personality thing he's not on medications he's not doing that other kind of you know stuff we were talking about so i'm not worried about you can't take someone off antidepressants right right so for him it's it's breaking that habit but like we said unfortunately he's already broken some back teeth so we can't even put that deprogrammer back there because on one side it's not working and now what I always tell people is your your molars in the back there's four pairs for most people unless you have your wisdom teeth and each of those carries about 15 to 20 percent each of those pairs of, of your bite load and so every time you lose one of those teeth then the rest of your mouth is starting to carry it and those front teeth are not meant to carry that type of biting power and they'll break down even faster so for for that situation, one it's you got to break the habit and you got to get them to, to stop doing it as much. And so you know, I'll start with those those strips at night to wear on their nose, and then I'll I'll send them to a physical therapist a lot of times and say we got to get you one. It's like lower back pain, we got to get you treated and we got to get you past the acute phase. The inflammatories help kind of break up some of that inflammation and stuff, and depending on what type we try, but we start there. And then a lot of time we got to get that back tooth back, so we got to do an implant most likely at some point in those kinds of things so that he's got the biting surface to spread some of those forces out, even though we can't put as much on an implant as a natural tooth. And then um, two, teaching them how to self-manage at home. So, you know, just like people learning how to stretch out muscles in the lower back, kind of different ways, the same thing goes on. And I think you handle a lot of that more than I do. I have some very simple ones, which are just open as wide as you can, you know, hold it for about 10 seconds and let it go. But it's, um, you know, more a, than, yeah.
1: It's a good start, I mean, you have to start to, give people options, um, for, for something like that. And hopefully when you start to gain, uh, you start to put those implants in, it'll take less pressure. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it affects eating. I won't, we, we can talk about that. That would be a whole nother podcast, but I mean, just the way that they, they feel, I'm sure it's a, it makes a difference once you start to replace what they've, what they're missing. And then, yeah, what, I mean, with, as far as, um, options for self-management, um, the nice thing about a jaw and neck is actually it's very accessible for your own hand and your, your, uh, you can easily be aware of it. It's very close to the brain and, and, and we're just generally aware of that area. And we're really big on teaching them lots of hands-on techniques that they can utilize to help stretch that and Teach them when to use it. Oh, this muscle's tight. This position you can get in. Do that stuff throughout the day. Don't wait till the end of the day. Well, don't wait till the next morning. Or like this gentleman might have more teeth um, down the road to, now because there's more pressure. You said you know he's he's lost some teeth there and now. He's going to need those implants to help um, take some of the pressure off the other teeth. So hopefully, um, um, a patient like that uh, can start to change some of the lifestyle. Um, change, things that he's doing, and and become very aware of his body, and and I think that's very important. So, so he gets implants and uh, things. Get, so you can't really do much of a uh, much guards. It sounds like until he gets an implant, would you? What, you how do you do what, guards? You, but what would you recommend for someone who has NTI. lost teeth? Would you give him a guard, or would you yeah. wait till things are done, NTI or NTI how would you
0: which, do? That? Yeah, N T I, which you and I were talking about before we started, um, which is. Uh, a device that hits specifically on the lower front teeth so that you get the, the hardest kind of feedback to your body of saying, stop clenching. And, and we make them wear it as much as possible. You know what I mean? And it's, it's a very cheap little small device. I mean, I think we charge Maybe a hundred and fifty dollars for it if insurance doesn't cover it. I mean, in the grand scheme of what the stuff we're talking about, it's about as cheap yeah. as it gets. I mean, that's a couple that's months. That's very nasal cheap. Strip, yeah, that's right? a year of nasal strips basically. Yeah, so, and I
1: have worked with a lot of dentists. I mean, that's that's incredibly. That's that's a really. And then, and he's trying to find affordable options for what you, what you've got going on. So so basically, they are offer the the front teeth. You're saying and yeah. and so you would, you're basically trying to uh, protect the them. Yeah, yeah pr- break the break habit. the habit and protect those whatever remaining teeth. So if he gets his implants, would you change the device at that point, or would you it you just? How he's doing. Yeah, see where he's at with the uh, yeah. See where he is at with the habits and how is how and how sore he is and what what yeah. would you determine. Um at that point, how would you look into that?
0: Well, a lot of it's what he's telling me. And then a lot of it again is feeling those muscles and palpating them and seeing just kind of how much tension is built up in there. And then sometimes it is good to go into the medical kind of protocol that we talked about earlier with the steroids and things like that. But I think like when he came to see you, he was kind of self-diagnosed jaw stuff. And he's not a guy that, that comes in super regularly cause he's so busy. You know, it's not someone I see every six months. Um, came in kind of from an emergency standpoint originally, and then another emergency, and then he came back saying, man, this is the, what's going on, and, and we talked about it. But it's, it's just complicated. And if, if there's one last thing I could say, it's that TMJ in dentistry is the Wild West. It is, it is what we know the least about from a scientific standpoint, and it's the most complicated because there's so many reasons that it can happen, and there's so many different ways of treating it that you just got to kind of go through the motions and try different things with those patients and get feedback from them. So more than anything, if he comes back and he's, you know, tried an NTI and he's gone and seen a physical therapist and, and done some treatment and he's, you know, had dry needling and things like that. And then we try the medication. Yeah. The next step would probably be surgical. And I'd say, Hey, you need to go see an ENT and you need to talk about getting your airway cleaned up and let them diagnose whether they think it's the back of your throat or out through your nose which is not a fun thing to go through, but I'll say this, I've had a few patients here, and we take that CT scan, like I said, that that comb beam, um, and it always lets me see people's throats from the side. I can see all the way back to the the front portion of their spine, and so I can tell pretty quickly if someone's closed in the back of their throat from looking at that x-ray, right? Again, I can't see the soft tissues, but I can see just how much physical space there is between basically the roof of their mouth their soft palate their tongue and we do get some muscles like right? the big ones like tongue muscles but I don't get discs and things like that and I can see their spine
1: but you're still seeing the overall space and, I can and see the space yeah, yeah you can see the space and that's that's kind of a, that's a huge and then you will send to the person that will and now investigate yeah. that space and exactly. decide if there's something there and and finding like you said like a cause, a, a root cause for their yeah. issue versus just yeah we're done good, good luck you know I mean you want to find that, that root cause because yeah. otherwise it's just going to come back on them
0: Yeah, so the the surgery at that point, I've just had some people who've had, um, you know, their nasal turbinates opened up because they were too inflamed and too closed chronically, say, you know, all of a sudden I noticed less headaches, less tension in my jaw and forehead and things like that side of my head. And so that's that's not for everybody. Sometimes it's easier just to manage and there's times where people are really stressed and they need to use nasal strips and a night guard of some sort. And there's times where they can go without it for a while and they'll be okay. but like I said, it's just really complicated. And until we get hands-on and we go through trying a couple different things, it's, it's everything's different for every person.
1: Yeah. So an individualized um, uh, treatment plan, I think it's huge. We just kind of talked about some of the, the basic information that, that we just kind of gave you a, 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 a single case. But I I'm I, I think that's what's unique about working with two professions. You're getting... Um, the whole view, you're getting the teeth, you're getting the jaw, looking at the weight, you're looking at some advanced imaging if needed. Um, you're looking at, you know, for what we do, we do the back, neck, and all the way up. You know, I always tell patients, um, if just thinking about, um, I, I mean, if you had uh, a lot of curvature in your bed back and you had poor posture, um, that makes your head go forward. And then wherever your head is, the jaw is in the opposite direction. Meaning that if your head goes forward, the jaw is being smashed into backwards into that that particular um, area. Because remember the the neck and uh, the neck and the head are half the joint. So so why would why would you just go see one individual? So it's very good to have a complete evaluation and then be treated for what's needed, not treated for um, everything. You know, if if a nasal strip does it. I mean everything we talked about today. I mean, just I uh, makes me want to go get my teeth. I haven't. I've been talking about it before. I've been trying to get on his books, but I just haven't found the time. And again, that guy with less time. But but this is kind of dental uh, dental place that I want to be a part of because they're going to treat me for what I what I've got going on and only that, and and but not overlook things either. So he's going to make sure that everything's going the way they. And so he um, he he's not afraid to make sure. And I think his patients know know that that's going on and that's why they've they've gotten so busy and and they've done so well and just have so many good feedback uh, so much good feedback from the community and so it was really good talking to you today so i appreciate all the, the insight, we'll, uh, we'll kind of stop there. But uh, definitely one of these days, we'd like to have you on. maybe talk a little bit of maybe a couple more patients so we can get a little more detailed. So, so if there are patients like that, uh, we may uh, take a, a few minutes and talk about it if you're down the road, if you're up for it. Yeah. But, um, but thanks for, for hanging out. And, um, and again, it's Hewland Dental, Dr. Thorburn. Uh, and you've also got Dr. Chang and then your new associate. Dr. T. Arena. I just want to make sure I, I didn't pronounce it wrong I mean, He's a he, great dentist as well I've heard good things from I've seen some of his patients um, as well Great stuff And uh, These guys are really doing great things so thanks for joining us. Uh, y'all have a wonderful day, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk again. See you at the next podcast. Thank you, Bob.
0: Thank you for joining us on Paincast. Is there a bill for that? Join us next week as we continue our discussion about pain. You can visit ReadPT.com for more information and like us on Facebook to access videos, techniques, and updates at Facebook.com slash ReadPT.